heart for the word of God this morning. We just put your hands out in front of you if you're comfortable with that. I'm just asking to come and speak to you this morning. We don't want to hear the voice of man this morning. We don't want to hear the inspiration of man or the wisdom of man. We purely and solely want to hear the voice of the Lord. So Holy Spirit, all of us in this room and all of us watching at home, we open up our hearts, we open up our minds, and we ask, come and speak to us, Lord. Your sheep are listening. Your followers are listening. Your servants are listening. Let the Word of God be alive and active in our hearts and our days. And we pray this in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, it's good to be with you. I don't know if you could join me uh, in doing this, but uh, the band have been here in a cold auditorium for a long time this morning. The first one's in and often the last one's out. Would you join me in just thanking them in the chat, but also maybe put a clapping hand emoji or something in the chat. Thank you, band, for all you're doing there, uh, which is wonderful. Hey, really excited for the Word of God this morning. Um, my name is Sean Hornsby. If you're joining us for the first time, a massive welcome to you. We're so glad you're here. If you're part of our church, part of the family, uh, I hope your week's been wonderful. And uh, I'm praying this morning that God does some spectacular things in our lives uh, as he potentially refocuses us, but also gives us insight as we continue the series on the book of Proverbs. We've been going through it in our Bible reading plan as a church. I know many of you have got your own reading plans, but those who are doing it with us have been reading a chapter of Proverbs every single day. And over the last seven days, we've been looking at chapters 8 through to 14, and they're the chapters that we're going to be camping in this morning and bringing out some truths of Scripture to our lives and to our hearts. Mark, of course, started the series last week, and he looked at the fear of the Lord, how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and of course, the person of wisdom, the source of reason. Uh, wisdom is the person of Jesus Christ. And when we come into a relationship with him, we start to understand what wisdom looks like, what wisdom acts like, and what wisdom does for the heart of a believer. And today, uh, we are continuing that theme of what, what does it look like for a believer to walk in wisdom. And I believe the Lord's laid on my heart three simple truths and three simple promises that I believe are going to help you in this season for this moment. You know, throughout the book of Proverbs, there's this uh, roadmap uh, that Mark touched on last week, and it's kind of wisdom and foolishness, wisdom and foolishness. But there's also another parallel that go along with that, and that is the righteous and the wicked. And you know, uh, when we get to these chapters here, chapters 8 through to 14, we start to hear um, King Solomon, who wrote most of the Proverbs, speaking about those who are righteous will have such exploits, and those who are wicked will have such exploits. A little bit different to wisdom and foolishness because effectively what King Solomon is doing is he's taking on the understanding that if you are in a relationship with Jesus, you will start to walk with wisdom, make healthy and good decisions, and therefore will be righteous. So he speaks to the righteous. He says, the righteous ones of God, this is what you will obtain. And if you don't understand that or have a relationship with Jesus, then in the Bible it says you'll make foolish decisions and you will effectively be seen as, as wicked. You know, it's a beautiful thing to be called righteous in Scripture. It's a beautiful thing that the Godhead himself looks down at his people and he declares over them that you are righteous. Righteous in the sight of God. Righteous in the heavenlies, righteous in understanding, in identity, in mind. 
Some of you may be listening to this, especially if you're not a Christian or watching this morning. You may be thinking, well, how come the people of God are seen as righteous and the rest aren't? Is it because they think they're right, they've got all the right answers, or they're better or good? And I want to make one thing clear really, really quickly before we go to these three truths of the, of the righteousness of God. Uh, I want to make it really clear that we are not righteous because we are better people. We are not righteous because we are good people. We are not righteous because we have more wisdom or we have better ideas. We are not righteous because we have suddenly found a, a plan of life that makes us better or holier. The only reason why the church is known as the righteous people of God is not because of anything they have done, but everything that Jesus has done. We are seen as righteous not because we have the right plans or ideas or understanding. We are seen as righteous because Jesus himself came and bridged the gap from heaven to earth, died on the cross in our place so we can now find our identity, our workings in our lives in the person of Jesus and his finished, completed works. That's your title. That's my title this morning. The righteous sons, children, daughters of God. Amen. Here's three things that the book of Proverbs speak to us about those, uh, uh, those that are righteous and those that walk in wisdom. I'm going to tell you all three straight from the front so you know where we're going and what we're doing. And then I'm going to bring a little bit of teaching and preaching to each three of those points. Here is the truth from the book of wisdom, Proverbs chapter 8 through to 14. Three themes of those who are wise and follow Jesus. Three understandings of the wise and those that follow Jesus. Number one, we have provision. We have provision. A God who provides. Number two, we are protected. We serve a God who doesn't abandon his people, but protects his people. We've seen that in the prayers that we've been praying and through communion, that we have a God who is our defender, our champion, the one who stands in the gap, who protects his people. We are provided for, we are protected, and the third and final one is we are positioned. Provision, protection, and position. They're the three things we're going to look at from the book of Proverbs. And I believe this morning with my whole heart that God wants to start to stir up faith inside of us for us to understand that even in this season we find ourselves in, even in the hurt, the trials, the lockdown, the lack that may appear in front of us, I believe even in this season God has called you to understand that God still provides, God still protects, and he's still positioned you in this moment to be a blessing and an influence for the city and place you have been found. These are the three things that we find from the book of Proverbs. Okay, provision, let's look at it. How many people know this morning that we serve a God who provides? Our God provides. Maybe you could write that in the chat if you believe it. Our God provides. He provides for his people. And the book of Proverbs uh, has so many verses about provision that he will establish our steps, that he will make a way where there is no way. There are verses upon verses of how God provides, even in the face of impossibility, we serve a God who provides. And the wise understand that we will be provided for, and we will get everything that we need. Here's a simple truth for you to remind yourself of when you feel like uh, you, you can't see this God of provision. It's a simple truth that I've heard many times, but it's powerful, and that is this. There is never any lack in God. There is never any lack in God. He's not defunded or bankrupt. He's not scratching ahead as, as where this next thing is going to come. But in fact, we serve a God who is, have, has an abundance of provision for his people. The God of the universe has no lack in any area. But here's what I've learned. 
in my journey so far on provision. Here's what I've learned in my understanding of God's provision for my life. Because there's been times in my life where I've wanted God to provide certain things, and those things haven't been provided for. And when you are praying for something so much, and it doesn't arrive, it's easy to then question the God of provision. Here's what I've learned. The difference between his provision and my expectations are often very afar. The difference between his provision and my expectations can often be worlds apart. Sometimes God provides in ways we least expect it. Let me tell you one way that I'm so thankful God's provided for me. I'm so thankful God's provided me in ways when I've prayed for things that his answer has been no. Sometimes some of the greatest acts of God's grace and provision to my life is when I've prayed for something I've wanted, but the Lord knows that I may want it, but I don't need it. The Bible never says that he will give us everything we want, but the Bible does say he will give us everything that we need. And what we want can be often so different to what we need because our expectations and his provision can be far apart. He gives us that which we need to fulfill the assignment that's placed on our life. God's great provision comes when we keep the main thing the main thing, when we stick to the calling that is placed on our lives. Let's look at a verse from the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 3. It says these words, here is the God of provision. The Lord will not let the godly go hungry. Simple truth from Proverbs. The Lord will not let the godly go hungry but he refuses to satisfy the craving of the wicked. Here's the righteous and the wicked, the wisdom and the foolish parallel that we mentioned earlier. The Lord will not let the godly go hungry. When we step out into the ventures and mission of God, he provides what we need. Some of the most impossible situations find their answers by his provision. You know, it's our assignment to be carriers of the greatest blessing ever known to our lives and to mankind, and that is the blessing of the gospel, that Jesus came and he was the ultimate blessing, the ultimate source of blessing for our lives. And our role as followers of Jesus, as the church, is to carry that blessing and let it overflow from our hearts and our souls to impact those around us. God, in fact, I would argue, has already provided everything we need in the person of Jesus. How incredible is that? That we can go every single day, and even if he didn't provide anything else, we would already have everything we need in the person of Jesus. Because we serve God, who is the ultimate provider. We see him providing all the way through the Old Testament. He provided a way through the Red Sea when Moses stepped into his calling. He provided a way through the giant of Goliath when David stepped into his calling. He provided a way out of the prison and into the palace when Joseph stepped out of his calling. He provided a way out of the pit of the lions when Daniel stepped into his calling. And I want to remind you this morning, if you are facing a giant or you are facing a storm, if you are facing impossible situations, we serve a God who will provide everything you need according to his will to learn that which he has for you in his plans. He might not give you what he wants, but he absolutely will give you what you need. You only have to look at the famous story in the book of Matthew and the Gospels of Jesus feeding the 5,000. We see the disciples, you have a couple of loaves and a couple of fishes and they come to Jesus and they say, we don't have what we need in order to provide 
for the 5,000 people who are getting hungry listening to your teaching. It's kind of that point in church where we get to the last 10 minutes of church and as a preacher you start looking around and you start seeing people, their bellies are rumbling, they're thinking of their dinner. Like the chicken is back home and we're thinking about what's next. Are we going to Nando's? Are we going to go have our Sunday roast? What's coming for food? And here we have 5,000 people looking at Jesus and they're getting to that stage. They've been listening for hours and hours and hours. The disciples notice it. They come to Jesus and they say, we need to provide for the people. We don't have the resources to provide for the people. And Jesus looks at them and he says these words, look at what's in your hands. You know, sometimes the very thing that we need God to come through and provide for us is sometimes staring at us right in the face. Sometimes God's greatest blessings of provision are found in our hands or in our hearts. And God looked at them and he said, I know what you want, but you already have what you need. And they brought and looked down at these couple of loaves, these couple of fishes, And God produced a miracle when they stepped out in trust of the one who provides. Here's a prayer that I started to pray a few years ago when I learned about the God of provision. It's this, Father, I don't want what I think I want. I want what you know I need. Father, I don't want what I think I want, but I want everything you know I need. The book of Proverbs speaks about the incredible provision of God And how he always responds to everything we have in front of us with what we need. God is a God of provision. Secondly, God is a God of protection. He is our great protector. Perhaps you can write that in the chat as as an act of faith and an act of confidence. I know some of you have been through storms in your life and you know God has protected you. Listen to these words from Proverbs 10.25. This is one of my favorite verses that I've been studying recently. When the storm has swept by, the wicked may be gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. Wow. What truth that is. When the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. Here's a little note before we go any further. Note that it doesn't say that there won't be any storms. Note that it doesn't say that when you become righteous and when you start following Jesus, when you start to learn wisdom and grow in wisdom and when you start to really obey the scriptures and the word of God and you start to see the fulfillment of his life, the fulfillment of his truth, you start to come alive with the passion of the gospel. Note that this verse doesn't say that when that happens, there won't be any storms in your life. I know some of you watching this right now, you've been through some storms of the past. Some of you watching right now are right in the middle of a storm. Some things are are rocking your boat a little bit. You don't know where to turn and where to go. I know this pandemic for you, this third lockdown that we've come into has been a storm for your life. You feel your mental health is going down. Your emotional health is going down. You don't know where to turn to or where to look to. You find yourself in the middle of the storm. And the beauty of the Christian faith, the beauty of this chapter, of this verse, verse 25 in chapter 10, it says, storms will come in your life, but know this, you will stand firm through it. And after it, you will have praise in your heart and praise in your lips, the God who protected you through it. We have a God who protects. The protection of God doesn't mean that we'll have the absence of problems but it does mean that within the problems we'll have a God who protects us from that which we need protecting from. We have the ultimate champion, 
the ultimate protector, the defender of our faith, the defender of our hearts. We have a God who protects his people. This is good news. The enemy can throw everything towards you. And some of you felt like you've been on a barrage of assault of the enemy recently. Accusations are coming your way. Doubt is coming your way. You're doubting yourself. You're feeling insecure because the enemy is coming at you at full force. And when those things happen, trust in the fact that God will protect you when you need protecting. Wisdom looks not to the strength of self, but it looks to the strength of God. We have an ultimate protector, God who protects And you know what it says in the book of Corinthians. It says that when you are weak, his strength will be made perfect. And here's the truth of this passage. When the storms have swept by and the wicked are gone, the righteous will stand firm forever. It simply means this. Whether you feel weak right now, or whether you feel defeated right now, whether you feel like you don't have much faith whatsoever, that you're struggling to engage with the things of God, whether you feel tired right now or whether you feel like a failure right now, whether you've made so many mistakes this week, you don't know how you're going to get out of the trap that you find yourself in. The book of Proverbs reminds you that the Lord protects you. He keeps you firm and stable. He fights for you. He wins the battles that are needed to be won. He picks you up. He covers you. He hides you. He restores you. He loves you. Our God protects. And they say when life gets tough, you need to be strong. And for some of us, that's truth, right? We only need a little bit of wind to blow us and we feel like we're all over the place. There's an absolute truth in the fact that some of us in the church, we need to understand what it means to be strong in the Lord, strong in faith, courageous and bold in him. But also there's a truth for those of you that aren't like that. And the truth is this, that when life does get tough, it's okay for you not to be strong. That actually there'll be moments in your life where it's okay for you to be weak. It's okay for you to unclench your fists, biting down on your teeth, trying to get through it. It's okay for you to remove the brave face that you have learned to put on. It's okay for you to not have all the right answers. It's okay for you not to know where to go in the trials and in the storms because God says he can take your weakness and he can turn it around for a victory. God says that when you are weak, he will be strong. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but if you are lost for words in the middle of your storm, even with your silence, God will fight for you. Listen to these words in Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. You only need to be silent and the Lord will fight for you. It doesn't mean that hurt isn't real. It doesn't mean that there aren't trials. It doesn't mean there aren't storms. But it says that when you are lost for words because the barrage of the wind and the rain are rocking your boat and rocking your faith, even in those moments, God says, I'm going to fight for you because you're worth it. I'm going to fight for your faith. I'm going to fight for your future. I'm going to fight for your situation because I protect my children. All the way throughout the Old Testament, God protects his people. All the way throughout the New Testament, God protects his people. And even to this day, in the middle of a pandemic, 2021, when we're looking around going, where is the God of protection? I want to remind you this morning. Not only does God provide, but he protects. He protects you this morning. He protects his people. He stands for them. He stands in the gap. We only have to look at the person of Jesus to know that God is our ultimate protection. Because when we deserve the worst, Jesus said no. 
I'm going to step in. And I'm going to protect my people. You are provided for. And you are absolutely protected. It doesn't mean that there'll be an absence of problems. But it does mean in the middle of them, God protects. He provides. He protects. And finally, he positions. Band, if you would like to join me at this point, that would be wonderful. He provides, he protects, and he positions. My final verse for you this morning is from the chapter 11 of Proverbs. And it's verse 10 to verse 11. And it says these words. When the righteous prosper, the people of God prosper, the church prospers, those who follow Jesus, the Jesus people prosper. When the righteous prosper, what happens? The city rejoices. What an amazing verse that is to even just wrap your head around. The King Solomon says here to the church that when you prosper, the city's going to prosper. The city will rejoice. There will be a shift in the atmosphere. There will be change that happens around us. When the church and the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. And then it says these words, he reiterates it again. And whenever they say the same thing twice, it means they're trying to convey a point. Through the blessing of the upright, through the blessing of a church, through the blessing of the people, through the blessing of those that follow Jesus, through the blessing of an upright, what? A city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. The message translation puts verse 11 like this. When the right living people of Jesus bless the city, it flourishes. Even evil talk will turn into a ghost time town in no time. When the right living people of Jesus bless the city, it flourishes. Even evil talk will turn into a ghost town in no time. You have been positioned to be a blessing. The reason why God provides and the reason why God protects is because He wants to position you to thrive and flourish in the assignment of God that is resting on your life. Some of you have lost the assignments of your life. I need to take some of you back to the day you surrendered everything for Jesus. I need to take you back to the moment when potentially you were young and the fire of the Holy Spirit started to burn inside of you and you knew I would give everything up for the sake of the gospel. Perhaps I need to take you back to the moment you locked eyes with King Jesus and he said, you're mine. I've provided for you and I've protected you. Perhaps I need to remind you of those moments of your youth when you knew there was an assignment on your life to change things, to transform things, to be positioned. Positioned with a purpose. Positioned to overflow with blessing. To positioned to, to have the faith and the belief that I'm not here by accident in the middle of this pandemic. I'm here for a reason. And perhaps we're all going through this because it's part of our assignment. Perhaps we, the church, are here not by just some mistake or accident. Perhaps God's positioned you and I in this moment. Because he said, this, this, is, this has got your name on it. This is part of your calling. The church needs to be the blessing of Jesus in a time of lack and difficulty. We need to be the compassion of Jesus in the time of emotional trauma and hurt. 
We need to be a blessing to the people when they feel like there's no hope around at all. We're all looking at February 22nd just hoping that there's some good news that's going to come our way. Friends, let me tell you, even if good news doesn't come on February 22nd, good news has already arrived in the person of Jesus. Our hope is already here. Our strength is already here. Our foundations are already here. Our blessing has already arrived. And we have been positioned to be purposed. Purposed with grace. Purposed with justice. Purpose of compassion, purpose with mercy to be a different. And you might be looking at me saying, Sean, how can I be, how can I be positioned when I feel like I'm tied down? All I've looked at the last few weeks is the four walls in my house. I feel like I've got bored of Netflix. I've watched that many series. How am I meant to be positioned to be a blessing when we're not even allowed out? We're only allowed to go out for a walk once a day. It reminds me of a story, and I'm gonna end with this. The story of a man in the New Testament who had that moment where Jesus turned up to him and he was like, man, I want to do something with this faith. I want to do something with this gospel. And he went around the lands, traveling from city to city to town to town because the Holy Spirit started to burn inside of him with a passion for Jesus. He knew there was no compromise needed. He, he was all in with everything he had. And he went from place to place. What did he do? He preached the gospel. He saw the dead raised. He saw the sick healed. And he started to plant churches and outbursting of churches everywhere started to take place. And then what happened? He found himself locked down in a prison. His name was Paul. Chained to the walls. Underground in a dungeon. Surrounded by people who didn't love God. Who didn't know the gospel. With two guards staring at him, watching his every move. Paul found himself positioned to a chain wrapped to his hands and feet. You know, whenever we look at the Bible, we find characters and people that go through similar situations to us. And perhaps you're looking at that and you're relating. It's how I feel right now. I feel like my faith is locked down. I feel like my heart is locked down. I feel like my body's locked down. What started to happen to Paul is his perspective started to shift. He fixed his eyes off of the difficulties around him and onto the King of Kings, who is Jesus Christ. And the blessing and passion that was inside of his body started to arise and blessings started to come out of his mouth. And what happens when we understand, even in difficult situations, when we're positioned with a purpose to bless, things start to shift. And out of his soul and heart, blessings started to flow and the chains started to fall and lives started to be restored and the power of the gospel started to move like never before. You have been positioned for a purpose. You have been protected by God. You have been provided for in everything that you need for the assignment of your life. I feel the Holy Spirit in this moment saying some of you are being repositioning, but it's not a physical repositioning. It's a repositioning of your heart. There's some repositioning taking place right now. Some of you are reminding yourself and being remembered and prompted by the Holy Spirit of visions he gave you long, long times ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And now is the time in this lockdown situation the Holy Spirit is saying, breathe life on them once again. Start to believe once again for the power of the gospel. Start to believe that the church can make a difference in this land. Don't be restricted by lack, but see God's vision through his abundance of provision, through his protection of your soul, and know that you have been positioned to be a purpose 
in the power of Jesus. You are positioned to bless here in this city, here in this time, here in this moment. And I want to end simply by this. If you don't know Jesus Christ, then this moment can be your moment. If you've heard me speaking about provision and protection and position, it's resonating with your heart. You're sensing something. It's not just because I'm a passionate guy about these things. It's because the Holy Spirit is knocking on your door and Jesus has been pursuing your heart for a long time. If you don't know who Jesus is and you want to know these things, you want to start a relationship with him, you want to start following him and going, God, I want to know about these things. I want to experience the stories of God, the nature of God, the heart of God for my life. Then all you have to do is you need to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart. It's as simple as that. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to pray this prayer with me, I would love for you to come to know Jesus this morning. The prayer goes like this. Repeat it after me. If you're wanting to make a decision or a redecision to follow Jesus. Father, I love you. Thank you for pursuing my heart. I open up myself to you. I ask you to enter in. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for setting me free. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and let me know your provision, your protection, and your position for my life. I pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. The band are going to help us in a moment and then one of Mark or Nigel is going to come and they'll give you some info of how you can follow that up if you've made a decision. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for you. And we're to support you in this next chapter of your journey. Church, thank you for being with us this morning. We are praying this week you have an incredible week that you will know his provision, his protection, and his position. In the power of Jesus' name, amen.